Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Storygami, where we take the title of a book that we've never read and speculate on what it is about with no information but the title and the author. This is completely improvised, leaning more towards the comedic side. Fair warning, do not use the contents of this podcast as a source for any book reports. Storygami will not be held responsible for any failing grades. Our guest today is Tyler Pals, and we will be discussing The Reckoning by John Grisham. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Please tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Hey, uh, coming to you from the Bay Area. I was a literature major, which means I am so qualified to do this. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, I now teach fourth grade, so you're going to hear me say a lot of things as if they're facts and what i'm used to is having an audience of people that when i say something like it's a fact it automatically becomes a fact so i would appreciate that sort of like blind compliance throughout the entire podcast so that works perfectly well with the point of this (laughs) all right so the book that we have is um called the reckoning by john grisham i think that's how you say his last name i was gonna look it up but i realized that like a lot of the trailers like the book would tell like the plot of the story so I just didn't look it up um what was that it's usually what the trailer does yeah exactly so um anyways I personally thought it was really cool how they can take something or like fascinating how they could take something that seems so like cute and innocent and turn it into something terrifying so like you know how like people in the south like old people in the south say like I reckon So it's like the apocalypse, but instead of like zombies, everyone's turning into these old people that say, I reckon. And that's like the main like point to the story. Um, What did you think about that? See, I was expecting it to be terrifying. You're someone without a lot of like baggage in their past or like, you know, things haunting you. But when I've ever had to reckon with anything in my life, particularly myself, it's always been a nightmare. So I was like, okay, The Reckoning, horror for sure. (laughs) What do we have in store? I was really glad that they incorporated so much of the South. Um, The idea that the South will rise again never seemed likely to me, honestly. They seem like a very kind of like languid folk now, but the idea that they would rise as zombies is just perfect that is the thing i was hoping they'd have more civil war soldiers in there rising up with the rest of them just to give the full kind of big picture but that would be too on the nose grisham's better than that most definitely agreed (laughs) um i also thought it was really um i found it similar to that stephen king book where um was it do you know how like most of the people like the bad people would like go to las vegas and then all the good people ended up going somewhere like maine do you know which one i'm talking about uh the, uh, the stands i've gone to vegas i've gone with some pretty bad people so i, I know <laughs> you're talking about from experience but not from reading i was a literature major but i kind of phoned it in so. okay i see um i think it was called the stand um so like what happened was it was like a ton of like um there was a plague that killed a lot of people in the world and um there were a few left over and all the bad people were like meant to go to las vegas and like all the good people ended up going to Maine. So I thought it was really cool how um, all, so like once this started occurring with like the reckoning and all these, um, all these people started to turn into old, old people from the South that said, I reckon a lot. Um, 
they were supposed to go to that what's that old people state a lot of people move to when they like retire florida's one florida that's the place they were going to yeah and they were all like the goal was to move to florida because that's what um that's what they were told by who was it again that told them that like a group of the main characters were like a group of kids um four people um what were their names uh delilah delilah samson nicaragua and Velveeta. <laughs> and what was the last one Velveeta. Velveeta. right 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 um <laughs> And so they were approached by um, a scientist who has been ex- um, kind of been studying this um, turn of events. And they, um, he, he told them that the best way to, the best place to go to avoid, the, to avoid people, these um, people from attacking them was to go to Florida. And so they took their advice, kind of like, this is where, this is why I was talking about that Stephen King book, because they ended up having to go to Florida um so yeah and what were we gonna say i mean for me i thought that was gonna be like the equivalent of a happy ending if all of the like rising up old people were gonna be heading to florida because i was like we could just we could give them florida i mean (laughs) net neutral if anything we might be better off puerto rico could finally become a state we're just kind of like bracket florida to them happy ending story over we already got a disney in california i mean i don't really know what else we need from down there yeah i mean they already they'll have their own disney so they'll be happy with that yeah yeah exactly so um anyway so they take this guy's advice um the scientist's advice um to go to florida to figure out what like the cause of this apocalypse is um so um, Delilah, Samson, Nicaragua, and Velveeta all team up, and they start traveling down, but, like, the entire time they're trying to go there, they're facing, um, a ton of these people that are, you know, approaching them, saying, I reckon, but what I didn't understand is, like, why, why were they, like, the bad guys, like, why, like, they weren't hurting them, I thought, like, they just approached them saying this, and I just didn't understand, like, what the threat was, I guess, Nobody who wants to go to Florida or wants other people to go to Florida can possibly be a good guy. So I think that in and of itself was enough to just be like, <laughs> they are the villains. Yeah. What their motive is, but gotta be some evil down there. Definitely. No, agreed. It's also just playing on this deep down fear that I think most people have and don't talk about because it's not socially acceptable of just old people in general. I feel like most people are repulsed by them. They don't enjoy the smell, even when they're not rising up from like an undead sort of space. Uh, (laughs) uh, No one wants to reckon with anything, I'm telling you. You Climate change, self-loathing, the economy. People are just not reckoning with things left and right. (laughs) You have old Floridian reckoning people coming at you it's like wow this is all of my least favorite things and you know it was truly for me terrifying like I had to change pants three times (laughs) fair fair um I honestly wasn't like I didn't think it would be scary until just like the way they were describing like the how they were being approached by these people and then I was and it just 
I was never scared of old people in my life before. And after this, I've kind of creeped out by them. I just expect for them to just creepily approach me and not make sense. Because that's what most of them, like, that's what it felt like most of the characters that were um, these reckoned people were doing. Like, they just didn't make sense, but they were approaching, like, whoever they can anyways. So I kind of developed a fear of old people now. But, um... The really insidious part of that, too, is it makes you fear yourself under the premise that one day you might become old and, God forbid, want to move to Florida, which <laughs> would be terrible. I mean, by the end of reading this book, I had to come up with a whole new life strategy. Like, if I am still alive when I'm, like, 55, I'm doing heroin for, <laughs> like, nothing really past 55 I expect to want to live for. That's the time to do it. And then... But never making it to Florida for sure. You got one, maybe two good years left after that. I want to be like one of those old people that are still like climbing mountains, like in my seventies or eighties. I don't want to start doing heroin when I'm in my fifties, mid fifties. I feel like there's still so much ahead, anyways. Because you're afraid of going to jail. Because I think if you just <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason why I wouldn't do it. it. Come on, break the law. <laughs> um. Well, anyways, uh, so yeah, they end up um, traveling along the way, but then um, Samson was attacked by one of the people. Like, you know, like any other zombie apocalypse story, once you're attacked, you turn into one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and this was, like, upsetting for Velveeta because they were in love. And to have someone you love turn into an old person so quickly is just heartbreaking. And um, how did you feel about that part? I feel like if she really loved him, she would have just killed him right there. Yeah. Like a Romeo and Juliet kind of like reverse, you know, where it's not a suicide because I love you. It's more like I love you and I can tell that this is not going to work out well for either <laughs> of us. So I'm just going to go ahead and put a hard stop on it. That would have been the really noble like i would have i would have been choking back tears um but for that to happen and both of them want to just continue living their lives after that i was like that that's a romance that was just destined to fail yeah agreed definitely agree with you um so yeah then that happened and then it ended up being just delilah nicaragua and Velveeta. um samson ended up what what a crew. <laughs> what a crew. Um, so then after a while, after traveling for from Maine to Florida, they um end up they end up arriving to Florida. And um what surprised you about once like they arrived there? What was like the most surprising thing to you? Um, well I was surprised they decided to take public transit down there in the first place. <laughs> They could have like they could have just got a plane ticket. It seemed like they were all well off, but for them to go from bus to train to bus to train to bus to train for like sixteen chapters was ridiculous. So I was surprised that it was like chapter forty-seven or something when they finally got to Florida. Um, and then, really, I was pretty surprised with the level of coexistence in Florida between the old people and the alligators. I was expecting them to be, like, some sort of really big power struggle going on, you know, yeah. 
invaders were going to try to finally take back the land and the old people were going to have to fight them off. But it seemed like they'd reached some sort of peaceful, like, Iran nuclear deal-like situation where everyone had just sort of laid down their arms, which, I don't know, again, a little disappointing. I was hoping they'd crank up the volume a little bit more after 16 or 18 or however many chapters of them just, like, sitting on the Amtrak. I was really hoping for some gator bloodshed, but... Yeah. Maybe in the sequel. Maybe in the sequel, sequel, yeah. Maybe there'll be a war. (laughs) The Reckoning, too. (laughs) Um... A war between the alligators and the old people. Um, yeah, I was really disappointing because I thought they would fi- they would find the um, the cause of like this, but they didn't. And um, when they tried to contact the scientist that originally sent them there, he had already succumbed to the um, old people power, I guess, and became yeah. And so when they called him, all he was saying was, I reckon, and that was it. And that's when, like, the book ended, because um, you weren't able to get anything, they weren't able to get anything out of him, and that was practically the end. They couldn't contact him, and they couldn't find what was the cause of all of this. So, yeah, I felt, like, very disappointed at the end of it. I thought we'd have an answer, but we didn't. Yeah, I kind of blame Grisham for that. I was reading, so... I'm holding, for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, which is everybody, um, Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace, which is this unbelievably great 1,200-plus page book with an additional, sorry, it's 981 pages plus, like, 300 pages of footnotes. And it's phenomenally written. It's truly a masterpiece, not dissimilar to The Reckoning. But then in the end, there's just sort of this, like, you get 800 ish pages in and then the book kind of ends with this sort of like hand of god intervention kind of thing that i found disappointing and i listened to an interview with wallace and he was kind of he admitted he also doesn't like the ending of the book but he'd sort of written it and written it and written it so much that he didn't know where else for it to go so he just sort of had to have this intervention and shut it down i think grisham was just doing the opposite. I think he just phoned it in. I, I don't think he gave a shit about how the book ended. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those authors like, like Jody Picoult or something that just kind of hammers out a book like once every fiscal quarter, I think. And, you know, He's got the fan base already. He doesn't really need to. Stephen King has some books like that, too. Where it's like you got It, you got Cujo, you got some really big names, The Shining, and then you got some other ones where it's like, mm, you kind of just wanted a little bit more money now didn't you (laughs) (laughs) and that's really the only goal Mm -hmm. um so what uh what other well you kind of said what other books this reminded you of a little bit but um what was your favorite quote from the book and why did it stand out to you wow (laughs) that's a great question I was so fucked up when I was reading it so often that (laughs) gonna take me a minute to pull it out of the ether Um, (laughs) i i was a huge fan honestly how with how bad the ending is i thought the last line of the book was one of my favorites because as you just said totally disappointing they call the scientists there is no answer reckoning 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 you know all they're getting over the phone and then 
Bovita just sort of sighs into the phone and just goes, well, fuck. And that's kind of how I felt at the end. <laughs> perfectly encapsulates everything that needs to be done. Bravo, John. This is why you still buy the books even when he's phoning it in. Yeah. Things like that. Exactly. No, I definitely agree. That was definitely a good one. Um, so what do you think of the book's title and how does it relate to the contents? Um, I think saying it, it, it's on the nose is a bit of an understatement. <laughs> like if John Grisham could be wearing a clown nose, it would be on that nose. <laughs> um, that being said, there's a Grateful Dead album with the title Reckoning. And it was a pretty cool concept because what they did is they played acoustically and this was in like 80, 1980 they recorded it. They hung microphones all over the concert venue and instead of using the soundboard audio from the instruments, they used the audio from these microphones all over the ceilings. So it was like, you could hear the crowd noise really well. They kind of wanted the sound of the theater on the album instead of just the sound of the music, which I thought was really, really cool and innovative. Um, so I'm thinking that Grissom might have used that title because he knew he wasn't going to do something all that innovative. It was like, maybe if I could just build this association, people will just kind of lump it in the same category. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, also, what I wanted to ask was, if you were in the situation that these characters were in and you had to combat these old people, like, I know, like, vampires, like, attacking them you need garlic and like for zombies it's whatever it is that kills zombies i guess what would you what would be like the tool that you use to combat these old people oh the alligators for sure i don't know the alligators in the book if they were like giving them their ambient prescriptions or something but i would go to the alligators and i would try to engage them in the resistance <laughs> have some sort of uprising reptilian dinosaur-like uprising and yeah no they would they're killing machines. I would need to do nothing at that point except be okay. there sort of. I was thought I'd make a good demigod. I've wanted a cult since I was a young child to, to lead one, not to be a part of one. <laughs> Hopefully a cult with like good ideas and morals, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't sound sure of that in your voice right now. And that's <laughs> to be continued. We'll see. Any listeners of the podcast right now want to find me afterwards. <laughs> the first member dues are lower for the first 200 devotees oh goodness that's terrifying oh <laughs> uh, anyways what do you think the author's purpose was in writing this book i think he wanted a ferrari okay yeah I yeah think, i think he wanted to see how far he could push this john grisham thing you know like how how off point for my other books can I make a book and see just see if it affects his sales at all you know you gotta yeah. once you have that type of star power every now and then you gotta kind of do something out of left field just to see how strong the fan base really is you know yeah. everything's the number one single and it's like well you know it's all kind of good do I really have that core following you know if you throw out if you go like all you need is love let it be mambo number five and you see what the actual dip is in your sales and it's like okay i have this many people who are following me no matter what okay i honestly thought it was like even though everything seems hopeless and everything's falling apart 
like you still should be powering through and trying to help who you can that's like what I got from like what the author was trying to <laughs> you know you're a more uplifting person I already said it's <laughs> suicide almost right away I mean, you gotta keep powering through it's just if, if the gators are not joining the resistance I am out that is my line <laughs> okay <laughs> um the last question I have is did this book seem realistic to you I, more than just realistic, I think probable. Okay. Like, it's one of those George Orwell 1984 kind of called it with where we're at with the surveillance state. I give it three to six solid months before we're looking down the barrel of a reckoning in this country. Fair, fair. I thought it was realistic just because, you know, people move to Florida after a certain age and, you know. Do you think it? because of some sort of disease <laughs> maybe maybe it's something that everyone's starting to get and that's why they all have this urge to go to florida after they um are in their 50s so yeah it definitely is probably some sort of swamp calling it's tragic really maybe he's just trying to bring it to our eyes like it's something that's already happening but we just you know we're ignoring it yeah 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 again similar to the orwell you know we're on track we're doing this i think the florida airports the arrival terminals should just be full of like doctors and psychologists trying to help people before they truly enter the state. <laughs> Why are you here? How can we get you back on track with your actual life? Is there anything we can do? And if they refuse help, you know, you just let them wander into the swamp. Exactly. Definitely. All right. Are you ready to hear the actual summary of this novel? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Pete Banning was. Clanton, Mississippi's favorite son, a decorated World War II hero, the patriarch of a prominent family, a farmer, father, neighbor, and a faithful member of the Methodist Church. Then, one cool October morning, he rose early, drove into town, walked into the church, and calmly shot and killed his pastor and friend, the Reverend Dexter Bell. As if the murder weren't shocking enough, it was even more baffling that Pete's only statement about it to the sheriff to his lawyers, to the judge, to the jury, and to his family was, I have nothing to say. He was not afraid of death and was willing to take his motive to the grave. In a major novel unlike anything he has written before, John Grisham takes us on an incredible journey from the Jim Crow South to the jungles of the Philippines during World War II, from an insane asylum filled with secrets to the Clanton courtroom where Pete's defense attorney tries desperately to save him. Reminiscent of the finest tradition of Southern Gothic storytelling, The Reckoning would not be complete without Grisham's signature layers of legal suspense and his delivery on every page. Yeah. So basically the same, except in Mississippi. Yeah, exactly. And I think we were on point in calling it was unlike anything Grisham's ever written before. Pretty much. And I think the funniest part was when it said, um, what was it, that he he had nothing to lose or something of that sort I have nothing to say and then he was not afraid of death that is that that's like that old person type of mentality so yeah and no answers he wouldn't say his motive they wouldn't the scientists couldn't say what the hell was going on yeah yeah I think we should write a book and just give it to John, John Grisham we can go straight to the next one yeah agreed <laughs> He just has to give us the title, and we'll we'll, we'll nail it. 
hammer it out. Give us a good, what was it, 30 minutes, something like that? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. Our guest today was Tyler Pals. The music, Paper Crane, was composed by Zafira Demiri. And do not forget to get yourself a copy of The Reckoning by John Grisham to see what it was really about. Hope you enjoyed, and I hope you keep on listening to Storigami's books we've never read. Bye-bye, bookworms.